This topic, this message has been working on me for a couple weeks, and I'm excited just to share it here. And um, the funny thing about when you study Jesus' teachings, and if you, if you read the gospel story and um, watch how Jesus interacts with people, you're going to see something very surprising. And it took, it took me a few years before I even noticed this. Like, I was studying uh, the Bible in Bible school for a couple years before I even noticed this. But throughout the New Testament, what you're going to see is that Jesus' instructions to individuals um, are very unique and very different. So, for example, Jesus will say to one person, give away all your possessions. You guys know those, that story. And then he'll also say to someone else, manage all of your possessions. You know, he'll say to one person, sell your fishing net, let it go. And then he'll say to another person, grab your fishing net, go catch some fish, because there's something I want you to learn. And so I think just in the faith community, um, it takes a lot of humility and discernment to, uh, um, to allow God to speak to you what you need, if that makes sense. So, and I can't answer that question for you. So, like, all of us are about to take a next step in life. Um, only you can discern that next step. It's not in the Bible. Some of us think the Bible is like a road map. And I guess in some sense it can be, but um, usually the way the Holy Spirit leads you is, is um, very personally, very, um, uh, how do I say it? I'll just say it like this. I'm very quick to assume that because something worked for me, I need to tell you. <laughs> so just with that in mind, as we go into this, my message is more of a guidance and a question and you're going to have to answer it for yourself. And um, that's awesome. There's nuance. Um, that's what happens when you're dealing with um, the complexity of Jesus' teaching. So the topic of today, if you want to put that title slide up there, is the spirituality of being seen. It took me a while to get to this title. <laughs> The spirituality of be, being seen. And what happens to you, what happens to me when we're seen? Okay, so um, there's a lot here, and I'm just going to try to keep it simple. But um, last week, um, how many of you guys went to a Sundance film? Sundance, yeah, a few. Yep. Um, we, me and Joe, we got to watch one because... Johnson and Cheryl uh, showed us a viewing in our house. They had access because they're teachers. And so we got to see some shorts. And the cool thing about Sundance is that um, it's an opportunity for these very small, um, budgeted artists and movie studios, film studios, to be seen, right? Because not everybody has, you know, the millions and millions of an avatar budget like James Cameron, you know, and sometimes just the way art goes and business goes, 
um, you got to have a lot of money to be seen. But the cool thing about Sundance, and I think why it was such a revolution, was because it gave uh, independent artists to now be displayed and um, showcased. So people come to Park City during the last couple weeks to be seen. And uh, I think it's, it's become pretty shameless. And it's hard to tell who's the artist and who's actually here putting on the stuff and who just wants to jump in the mix and uh, be seen along with, you know, all the film guys and everything. Like, I was driving down Main Street last week and traffic was totally stopped. You guys all got stuck on Main Street. It took me like an hour just to make it down, like, to Patagonia. <laughs> so... I'm sitting in my car, and just to pass the time, I was just doing some people watching. You know, I was looking around here, looking here, and I saw a group of three people walking up the sidewalk wearing all the fancy clothes. You know, they had the sweet jackets, the boots, the fur, <laughs> you know, all, all of it, and they were looking so happy and strutting, and just behind them, following them, was... Kind of a short guy with a big camera, with a big lens, just like running up as close as he could. He'd stop, chick, 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 and they'd get a little far, then he'd run again, and he would stop, chick, 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 and I'm just watching it happen. I'm like, this is so funny. Like, and I could tell that the, the three people were getting so much enjoyment out of it. And, and the cameraman was enjoying it, too. He was stoked. I, I could tell. And then the funny thing is I looked to my left, and the same thing was happening on the other side of the street, and it's just like, you know, people, people are there to be seen, and um, it's easy, you know, I think my tendency is to be like, oh, that's superficial, you know, look at these guys just wanting to be fancy, but I don't think that's the case. Um, lately, my daughter and Jack's daughter, they're the same age, they're almost three, and the common phrase coming out of their mouth is, Daddy, watch me, watch me. Uncle, watch me. Like we were downstairs in the basement, and if they jump off a couch or if they, you know, do something radical, they, they want to be seen. And I think this is a good thing. Like this is something we need. Like as, as humans, um, we need to be seen and acknowledged by the people around us and to be known and to be heard and many of us know that when you're not seen and you feel invisible, um, you know, something inside of you starts to die. And um, I love this because in the very beginning of Jesus' teachings, this is where he starts. He's, what's the word? He's, I don't know, he's... Uh, I can't think of the word right now. Not compelled, but I think he's, he's giving this vision of humanity at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You can put up Matthew chapter 5 if you got that. And what it is is, what's the word I'm looking for? I think he's just resonating with the deep desires of humanity. And if, if you guys ever wonder, how does God see humanity? This is where we should start. This is where Jesus starts. And he says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to a mass 
of humanity of all different kinds of people, none of which really know him yet. And he's proclaiming to them, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You can go to the next one. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. You can keep going. In the same way, let your light shine. You know, and th- this caught my attention because I think sometimes we can think like, oh, I just need to be humble and I just need to hide. You know, like sometimes we can feel like that. But right off the get-go of this, this is Jesus' greatest, longest message in, in the New Testament. And right off, what does he say about humanity? You are light, and you're made to be seen. And he gives the analogy, you know, a lamp isn't made to be covered up. It's turned on, it shines. And is there... Yeah, in in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So right off the bat, there's something inside of us. I don't know if we've all acknowledged it, but you need to shine. You know, I think sometimes, I've had people come up to me and be like, you know, you should uh, just be humble. You don't need to, you know, talk like that, you just, you know, they try to shrink you. I don't know if you've had people in your life, they think you're doing you a favor. Maybe they were, I don't know, but they try to shrink you. But I just think it's interesting that right off the bat, Jesus says, shine, shine. You know, humanity is a light. And this is a different message than I heard even in Bible school. I think the starting point um, for, in, that I was taught was all right, humanity's messed up. You know, humanity's broken. And I just think it's interesting that's not where Jesus starts. I'm not saying the world doesn't have pain. So, and I'm not saying there's um, not brokenness. There is. But Jesus starts with you are light and you have something to offer. And until that shines, you're not living out the full destiny of what it means to be human. You guys kind of hear what I'm saying with this? So the other, this was a couple weeks ago too, a miracle happened for me. <laughs> uh, my, a friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in a long time called me up, and he knew I do a nonprofit. We serve native villages out in Fiji. He calls me up and he says, Seth, I know you're serving villages out there on the islands. I know there's tons of islands out there. Can I donate to you guys a boat? And I was like, what do you mean a boat? And he's like, I got a 33-foot monohull sailboat, you know, and uh, I want to give it to you guys. Do you think you can use it? And I was just like, uh. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? That's, that's amazing, you know. And I called um, one of our Fijian pastors who's out there in the villages, and I was telling him, I was like, we just got a boat donated to us. And he says, all right, we got to name it. We got to name this boat. Because the first thing you got to do with a boat, it's, hi, River. <laughs> it's bad luck to go out into the open sea unless your boat has a proper name and it's painted on it. You guys know, know what I'm talking about? So 
uh, Tyler Dan, the Fijian pastor, he says to me, I got a name. I have this thought, you know, and so we're discussing names. And um, he says, uh, what's the word? Oh, yeah. He says, let's name it Lahairoi. Lahairoi. Yeah? Hi, River. Hi. <laughs> so awesome. So I didn't know what Lahairoi means. Do you guys? So I, I go to look it up. And where it takes me is Genesis chapter 16. Um, if you, you guys can turn there if you want, starting in verse 6. I want to read a little story because this, this is what we're talking about. It was crazy because this seems so random, but it's, it, it actually became the, the heartbeat of this message. <clears throat> so, Laharoi. Um, you guys know in Genesis the story about Abraham, the father of faith. He's been given this promise, this calling from God that from his family is going to come a people that are going to shine so bright, it's going to be like stars in the sky, and they're going to bring blessing to the whole earth. So he has this promise. The only problem is that Abraham didn't have any kids, and at this point in the game, he's 86 years old. So the promise isn't happening. You know, (laughs) it's very discouraging. Any 86-year-olds in here about to have a kid? (laughs) So that's where we're at, and I'm sure Abraham, so what happens is Abraham starts getting desperate, and you know, sometimes when you panic, you just start pulling whatever strings you got, and he pulls this very radical string that actually backfires on him, and it's totally his plan, and it seems super weird, but he grabs his wife, Sarai, and he says, listen, Sarai, you know, no, actually, this was her idea. She goes, Abraham, it's not happening in here for me, so I have a solution. So let's start in that passage. She says to him, your slave, Hagar, she gives it to him. Your slave is in your hands. And then Abram said, okay, wife, do with her whatever you think is best, (laughs) She pretty much says, use my, wife, use my slave girl to start the family because it's not happening with me. Okay, do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And so just a little, exp- you know, it, it happens. Um, Abraham takes Hagar's slave girl, and there's jealousy. There's all this. Um, so Sarai mistreats her. And she runs out in the desert. It's a big mess. You can go next verse. And this is the part of the story that I think is, is so profound to slow down and, and look at. Because clearly this girl was caught up in a big mess. It was, it, was not, it was not people acting in faith. There's all these reasons why you could say she's, she should just be judged and God's angry at her. You know, she's like getting in the way of Abraham and his wife, all this stuff. But the verse says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. So she just took off out in the desert. And it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. You can keep going. And he said, Hagar, 
slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? That's a good question. This is what God sometimes asks us. You know, remember, where you come, where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. She answered. Next verse. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Like, you don't need to run away. Go back. Next verse. The angel added, he's actually going to bless her now. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And this is like the best thing in that culture you could hear for you to be able to have a big family. And so God pretty much says, I know you feel cursed, but actually I'm going to bless you. And you're going to start a massive family. (laughs) And the angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And I just want to say on that, Ishmael means the God who hears you. The God who hears me. Yeah, keep going. One more verse. He will be a wild donkey of a man. (laughs) Not the best thing you want to hear about your kid. His hand will be against everyone. Everyone's hand will be against him. It's going to be friction. He'll live in hostility toward all of his brothers. And uh, keep going. That's a little little prophecy about this youngster. (laughs) And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. And I love this because we've taught this before in church in here. The name of God, Yahweh, couldn't be spoken. And so a lot of times when people would have experiences of being led by the shepherd, um, that experience would give them a name that they could attribute to God. So there's a lot of times in the Old Testament where they're creating names for God. And this is one of the moments she creates a name for God because of her experience. And um, so she gave... This name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And, um, you know, one of the most painful things in life is when you feel like you're suffering and nobody sees you. You know, I don't know if you guys have been in that place, but it's like, it's weird, because if you're alone and suffering, it's almost unbearable, and you, you, you really can't make it, might not make it. But as soon as people see it, and they're with you, um, the Bible talks about how that burden, once it's shared, it can actually become light, and it can actually be transformed into a weight of glory. So, but first, it's got to be seen. It's got to be shared. And this girl who felt cursed, who was totally doing the wrong things, getting in the way of a promise of God, was met by God, blessed by God, provided for in the desert by this spring. And now back to go one more. Is there one more verse? That is why she was by that well. And that is why that well was called Beer Laha Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Be'ir Laharoi is the name that she named that well. Um, back to, I don't know why the pastor in Fiji told me that that was sticking out to him, but 
Um, Laharoi means the God who sees me. So one of the first revelations of the spiritual journey for these people was, I'm seen. I'm seen. Even when I don't feel seen, there is, there is one that sees me. There is one that knows me. And uh, I had uh, this, this funny experience when I was like 17 years old that really changed my life. And it was kind of the same revelation for me. It might sound silly for you. But I was actually, uh, I was a valet driver down in Salt Lake. I was working at a restaurant called Tuscany. You guys know that spot down by Big Cottonwood Canyon? It's a good spot. Do you like it? You don't like it? No, it's good. It's good. And uh, so the thing about our valet company that was weird, why, why, do you, why do you take a valet job? Because the tips are good, right? The tips, the tips, man. It's all about the tips. But the, our boss said, he had a meeting, and he said, all right, guys, all of your tips are now going in this bucket. We're like, okay, we'll do that. What's happening to the bucket? Nobody knew. I'm dead serious. The dude was shiced in our tips. So here I am, young man, 17 years old, with a bunch of other young high school dudes, and I see them getting out of the cars, get a little tip handed to them, and they're just like, yoink, slide it in the pocket, you know? and keep it in the pocket, you know, and try not to let people see. And so I'm faced with this. I'm like, oh, dude, and he like gave a big threat. If your tip doesn't go in the jar, you're getting fired. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I want to buy a new snowboard. I can't get fired. So I was wrestling with this in my heart. I, uh, I gave, I got out of like this Porsche or something, and a guy gets out and he hands me a 20, which was a fat tip back in the day. I was good. Hello, Mr. Jackson. You know, looking at that Andrew Jackson, folded up, stuck it in my pocket. And for the next, like, few hours, I was wrestling. Because this, this was a similar time in my life when I started taking my, my spiritual life seriously. And I was asking questions, and I wanted to know who God was. And, you know, and I started feeling this guilt. I was like, oh, don't lie. You know, I'm a good man now. Yeah, I was like, kind of went through my phase of rebellion, getting, I was getting close towards the end of high school, I needed guidance, I needed God, and so I'm wrestling it out, and uh, I walk over, I think it was at the end of the night, and I just like, I was like, you know what, I need God, it's all right, this $20, whatever, and I ended up taking my tips and I put them in the black bucket. And I folded up our little cart, you know, with the sign. And I'm, I'm strolling it, putting it away. And I was like, dude, I need to go to the bathroom. So I go inside Tuscany. And I was, like, feeling bummed. I was like, how am I supposed to make any money? This is terrible. Like, I'm work we're working hard. We're getting tips. These are our tips, you know. We deserve these tips. Boss doesn't deserve these tips. And I'm telling myself this whole story. This guy comes around the corner, and he comes right up to me, and he goes, he goes, hey, uh, are you off the clock? I was like, yeah. And it was the guy that I parked his car. Are you off the clock? Okay. So this is our interaction right here. 
yeah? He's like, you're not on the clock. You're not under any, your company. He's like, I saw what was happening. He's like, you guys, aren't, you guys don't keep your tips? And I was like, and he asked me straight up, did you put my 20 in that jar? Because he knew he gave me a 20. <laughs> so it was crazy, man. I was like, how is this happening? I actually made the right choice. I'm about to tell the man, you know? And uh, I was like, yeah, I did put it in the jar. And he goes, all right, just between me and you, he's like, I see you, man. And he just grabs his wallet and gives me a fat tip. And he's like, have a good night. And he leaves. And I don't know why, you guys, but I jumped in my little car to drive home, and I cried. I literally cried. Because deep in my heart, I felt that it was true that someone saw me, even when no one was seeing me. And you can, you know, you can think about it however you want, but for me, that was revolutionary. And I, I got to this, I had this thought, I was like, I don't, it doesn't matter who deserves what. I just want to, I could tell like when I was squeezing the money, something inside was shrinking. And I could tell when I was just throwing it, something inside was opening, expanding, becoming lighter and just being sensitive to that. And so I think just inside that night, I became like this. I don't need to scrap. And I really think that was the foundation for how I ended up years later starting a nonprofit. And it was easy. We would get a donation out of nowhere. And I would just pass it. And something inside of me knew that more is coming. And it would. And I'm not kidding you guys. We never did like marketing stuff or um, fundraising campaigns. All I would do in Fiji is... I'd get a donation, and I'd give it all away. And then I would be like, what, what's going to happen? And something inside me just knew, and we just kept doing it. And that year, we, we gave $60,000 to these needs in the village, and it happened again the next year, and it happened again the next year. And I've always been, <sighs> like, I've always been taken care of. You know, it's crazy, like, that's the story of my life. I've never had to, um, you know, like do the tricks and just pursue my own. I just, I knew there's a God who sees me. And um, so I just wanted to like encourage somebody with that, that, you know, even, even when you feel alone, um, God's with you. God sees you. What you need when you turn to him and when you open yourself Something crazy happens in the universe where it can flow. And um, now I want to get to the part in this teaching that now starts to get a little complicated. Because that, that, that all sounds good and that makes sense, right? Let's read in this same teaching, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Throw this up here. Now... Remember, guys, same message, same teaching. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Keep going. 
So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, in the sin, as the actors are doing, the religious actors. Um, they do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Keep going. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Keep going. And as I read, you can just keep, keep flowing with me. I'm not going to stop. So that you're giving, here's this, is it a contradiction? Now, Jesus is like, okay, guys, you're like a city on a hill. Everyone's going to see you so that God will shine through you. And now, okay, guys, it's time to be secret. So that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Keep going. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand, or they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. And when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Okay? Jesus is playing with seen and unseen, seen and unseen. The, the pride of the religion and the show. And he's giving us a way to, come, to be set free from that pressure. And it's this word, you can do some things in secret. So he's gone, gone. Keep going. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Another way, God sees you. He knows your needs. I want you guys to know that you don't need to twist God's arm to notice you and to hear your needs. You don't need to do religious things to catch God's attention. He sees you. That's always been the story. This, then, is how you should pray and the Lord's Prayer. You can skip through the Lord's Prayer. You guys can read it um, later if you want. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. It's a very simple, beautiful prayer that has lasted the ages. Um, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you also. Keep going just a little more. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. And now he's making the same theme. They disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Okay, you guys. Riddle me this. What's up with this contradiction? At the beginning of this sermon, Jesus is saying, You're a light. Don't hide yourself. A lamp does not get hidden underneath a bushel, as the lullaby goes. But let it shine. Huh? Don't let it shine. You guys see, see what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard to catch this in the English translation. It's still in there, but it's, it's more obvious in the Greek. But in the very first verse, at the end of that section, there's another Matthew 6, verse 1. Yeah. This is kind of the King James slash American Standard version 
of verse 1. And I like it because they finally, they emphasize what Jesus is emphasizing. Take heed that you do not do, wait, take heed that you do not your righteousness before men. And this is the phrase. For the purpose to be seen of them. You're made to shine, but what you do has much bigger reasons than to look good before people. This is a nuance. This is, Jesus is all about nuance. you got to get to these. It's easy to just say, oh, the Bible says it, so that's what we say, and that's what we believe, but there's a lot of nuance, and sometimes there's, there's some room there, and you got to understand what he's talking about. Because I've heard it said, hey, if you fast, don't tell anybody. Otherwise, your blessings for that fast are gone. Have you guys ever heard that? <laughs> you know, don't get, if, you, if you give and people know, you're not going to get blessed by God because of that verse. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, he, he makes this point of you, we need to go from the external show into the heart. Because what is happening in your heart completely transforms the power of that action for your life. If you're doing your life, you guys, if you're doing, if you're making decisions in your life, playing roles, having relationships, whatever it is, in order to please other people, you are not accessing the deep fullness and the healing and the joy that life can be. If you're just pleasing people, you're stuck. It's really hard. And this is part of, I, I can't stand here and tell you guys, hey, you guys are just doing this to please people. Or, and you guys can't really say that about me, but I can answer it about me. My question to you guys is, is there anything in your life you're doing just, for, just to be seen? by others in that certain way. You know, they're one of the mo my most favorite verses in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 13, very known, but very not practiced. And Paul says, if you're doing anything, um, he says, even if you accomplish great things, if you move mountains, if you can speak in the tongues of angels, but you're doing it for a different motivation than just love, you're wasting your time. You're, you're actually, the analogy is, you're a banging drum that's so annoying and everybody just wants you to stop. That's literally the analogy, but it's hard to kind of capture that rawness because we're used to the language, you know? The Christian life in following Christ, you can let everything go that you're doing because of obligation. That takes cajones. But watch what happens. This is what I love about Jesus' teachings, is that you can put them into practice and find out if they work. This week, no, let's just say today, today, Sunday the 29th of January, for the rest of the day, don't do anything out of obligation. That's what the Bible's telling us. It's pretty wild. 
You know, and we, we live in a system and we live in a society where we got to do we got to do some of that. So I'm not saying don't pay your taxes and you got to do that. We're not, if I say that, we're gonna, this church is getting shut down. <laughs> pay your taxes, guys. It is holy. <laughs> like, are there relationships that you have that there's, there's no love flowing out of you into that? Let it go. You can. This is following Jesus. When, you, when, you're, when you're walking in the teachings, the burdens fall off. Just naturally. They just fall off. Um, so, there's a quote in there by Dallas Willard. I really just want to look at for a second. Desire for religious respect or reputation will immediately drag us into the rightness of the scribes and Pharisees, which we've talked about. And because that desire always focuses entirely upon the visible action, not the source of action in the heart. The scribes and Pharisees, Jesus pointed out, do everything they do with the aim of being noticed by others. Dude, I wonder what it feels like to be a teenager in our day right now, where you got to post and you got to look at what everybody else is doing and how many things you're missing out on and how much fake stuff is elevating perception that's not true. And just, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. Aiden knows. I don't know. I, I didn't have to deal with that. You know, where it's photos are all visible for show. That's what a photo is. I'm not saying they're good or bad, but, dude, that's burdensome. Oh, I felt that this last week. We did a project in Fiji. We're helping some kids, but unless I take a photo, it doesn't count, and the donors will question me. That's just, that's just the nature. You know, you gotta, you got to show. Remember the nuance we're talking about, but what this verse is saying, if the motivation, if you're only doing it for the show to affect someone else's opinions, it's not going to give you anything except that. <laughs> That's what Jesus says. You already got your reward. Oh, you did that for show? The limit is there. So what Jesus is saying is that when you fast, that is such a powerful practice. For, and there's reasons to fast way more than how it makes you look. <laughs> and he's talking in a religious society when fasting was like, you know, so what's something in our day and age that makes you look awesome. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you want to be cool? Go read your Bible in Kimball Junction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. There's all, all kinds, dude. Whatever it is, if you're seeking the approval of others, that feeling you have inside when you're doing it, that's your reward. But these ancient ways that Jesus is talking about, we have to surrender something that is so thick in our culture. I don't even know if we can do it. Like, can we surrender the approval of others visibly? Who cares how you look? Even just saying that, what does that make you feel like? Who cares? It's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. You can, it's fun. You can express yourself. But if you're only doing that, you don't really want to do that, don't do it. 
If you want to do it, sweet, do it. But if you're only doing it out of obligation, let's, let's try practicing this teaching. Let it go. You just do the Taylor Swift. Shake it off. You just shake it off. Oh, you can try this. Um, this, is, this is true. So this, this whole stuff about talking about what's in your heart actually changes the effect of the action. So check this out. When you fast, fasting is a, is a practice that's been done for thousands of years. Like, many people have done it, and it is an amazing medicine for your life. Like, there's cultures where you got to do a long fast every chunk of years just to process life. And it cleanses you from what you've been through, and you can move on to the next thing. And fasting is, it's not something to earn God's love. It's actually something that just helps your life, helps your body, resets you. And so when you fast... If you do it in a place when your heart is at rest and you're at peace and not anxiety, which is a common factor if you're doing things to please others, there's a lot of anxiety. If you're fasting in a place and you, it's a prolonged fast, you know, I'm talking about more than a week. What your body actually does, it goes into this mode called ketosis and it starts eating all the impurities inside of your body. Dead blood cells, poisons from food, um, injuries. There's people, you guys, who take tons of medications, and they do a prolonged fast. They don't need it anymore. It's, but fasting, it's, it's free. Everybody can do it. It's not good for business. So I think it's not, in a consumeristic culture, why would we talk about that if it's going to take away people's business? It's, it's, it's pretty epic. And here on the flip side, if you fast just trying to please people and you're feeling anxious and your heart space is different, do you know what? Actually, instead of cleansing, your body starts to eat its organs and you starve to death. So true, like a practice that can transform your life loses its power if you're doing it out of the wrong motivations. You see? This is like scientifically proven. I think it's like this with, with a lot of things in our life. Like we can, we can gain so much. Um, life is made to be full. God made it to overflow with joy. That's, what, that's how Jesus presented the gospel but we're caught in a spiral of pleasing others, and it's all about how we look. And so we can't tap into the fullness where Jesus says, you know, the, um, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And it's like a spring that bubbles up and overflows with joy and just naturally spills out. We can't access that way of being and that experience if we're just doing everything for show. So... I just said it this way. Um, for some of us, for this next step in your life, some of us need to embrace not being seen, if that makes sense. Um, because there's, there's transformation that can happen inside of you when no one's looking, 
that wouldn't happen if everybody's looking. So I have to be careful with this. For some of you, you need a season of being alone for you to heal. If you keep putting on the show and just jumping into more relationships, it's just going to keep going and going. You can't get set free. I got set free, you guys, from a lot of things. I was shaped heavy by our culture, you know, the way I viewed people, the way I viewed women, the food I craved. You know how I snapped all those cycles? I fasted, and it happened. I was addicted to pornography in high school, you know, in college. Um, I was addicted to foods that were not healthy. (laughs) I hated, you know. You know how I broke that cycle? I went alone for 40 days on a hill and fasted in Fiji. It's sometimes, you know, I don't I don't say that because the the stigma with it, but if I'm going to be true to Jesus' teachings, that's the reason I did that wasn't to be seen. I wanted transformation, you know? I needed something more. I needed healing. I was in pain. I was hurting. I went through some big tragedies before then. You know where I found peace? I found it alone on a hill. Slowly. It wasn't very comfortable. Drip by drip, 40 days, all I drank was water. My body became so weak, I couldn't even stand up to go pee. <laughs> that was my um, daily task was, can I just get up and go outside and pee, (laughs) go back. I know what it feels like to be old with no strength. And when I took that first food, when I came back to life, I came back to life is what it felt like. Everything was new, and I could choose what's the type of person do I want to be. It's a reset. Like, where's the places, where's the churches, not out of religious pride, but where's the churches that are teaching about fasting, helping people? You know how I did it is because Fijians do it, and I was shepherded. I was like, you can't fast 40 days, you die. I'd die in three days. No, you don't. You can fast for 40 days. It's like the ultimate reset button, (laughs) but it's legit. Like, I'm afraid that in Christianity we're fighting for things that aren't even Jesus' teachings and we forgot the nuggets, you know? And so, all that being said, for some of you, you need to be around people. Being alone on a hillside wouldn't be safe, wouldn't be healthy. So do you hear, do you hear the nuance? Do you hear the discernment required in following Jesus. You have to ask yourself, what do you want? Jesus often would start with that question. Oh, hi, nice to meet you. What do you want from me? What do you want? It's a question for the Holy Spirit. Some of us have been doing a certain way of life for so long, we think we need to keep doing it. You don't. There's ways to change direction. There's freedom. There's healing. You know, it's it's awesome to be seen, you know, 
And like when you create something and you share it or when you make a delicious meal, how awesome does it feel to share it? It's awesome. But last week, we're doing this project in Fiji helping kids with their school supplies and I wasn't seen at all. I was over here in America talking on the phone and a Fijian was serving the Fijians and I could feel in my soul that was right. I don't need to be seen in the village. There, there were times in the village, you guys, when I'm, I was a hero because I'm helping people and then there's a time when everybody's blaming me for their pain because I'm not helping them. Yeah. Being seen by others and the opinions are going to go like this. We have to find a rock, you know? And you got to be true to what God is speaking to you. Sometimes that pleases people. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's hard. Um, but the Christian life, like, just how I started this message is how I want to close we got to extend to each other so much humility and room. What you need right now isn't necessarily what I need, you know? So as we're talking, we're like, you know what? Let's all go fast. No, that's not the message. There might come a time in your life where you, that, that becomes an option for you, and you want it, and you can do it. And you will experience the blessings. Um, but, you know, all of us have pain. And I'll just say this. All of us have something to shine. All of us. We're in this weird rhythm with church. A few people sit up here on this stool and tell you, share. You know, it's, it's awesome. There's benefit to it. We studied the Bible, which can sometimes just... Get in the way, right, Gordy? If you, <laughs> if you go to Bible school, sometimes you got to unlearn. <laughs> but what if this was a community where we, had, we gave opportunity to you guys to shine, to share your stories? I want to hear Connie's story. I want to hear Al's story. You know, you guys have knowledge of God. You know, and I, I sense this direction, like, as I'm listening to Gordy's heart and I'm listening to Jack's heart, it's like, yeah, this is, this is awesome, but we actually want to become a community where all of us can shine. All of us. You guys know how scared I am on Saturday nights to come up here and preach? Dude, I woke up this morning at 4.30 and never went back to sleep. <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was exact all that, but I want you guys to feel that. <laughs> no? Gina, you're going to feel that. <laughs> It's, it's scary to share. It's scary to put yourself out in the open and be vulnerable. So I just, I say all these things, you know, to, it's for reflection. It's to ask God, what's, what's the next step for me? Because there is one. If you're alive and you're still breathing, there's still purpose for you. There's still growth for you. You know, there is still so much for you to shine. You know, Maybe you've never even had the courage to try it yet. But what if church is a place you could try it? How many of you guys know you're supposed to sing deep inside? Maybe you've never done it. How many of you guys know singing could be the next step for you to step out in faith, surrender your pride, and I'm going to sing? How many of you guys 
feel like that. I bet there's somebody. Woo, take note, take note. Anybody else? You know, how many of you guys have been creating something at home where nobody's seen it? But you know this isn't made to stay in the dark forever. And you want to put it, you want to share it. You're creating something. You want to share it. See, boom. There's more. Who else? <laughs> boom. Like, I think, you know, Creekside is, it's moving, like, let's become a community of Christ followers. You know? And, um... Hold each other with open hands, with generosity, with room, and the courage to step out where we know this is my time. Preaching for me, and I'll be very honest with you guys. When I started preaching, I knew it was for me because it was, I had to completely surrender a lot of pride to do it. For some people in this room, if you preach, it'll fill your pride. It's, I don't know why. But for me, it, it helped me overcome my pride to do this. And I'm grateful that God has given me this opportunity. You know, um, but the more I do it, I'm just sensing that it's getting easier. It's, um, it's not the same leap of faith. And I want to keep growing. I don't want to get stagnant and comfortable just because I want to look a certain way. I'll tell you, the day that this stops growing me, I'll pass it off to somebody who it's going to be epic for. For sure. Um, it's awesome. It's the journey. But, Jack, you guys can come up. It's, it's 11.59. We do have one song left. You guys can, if you got a cruise, feel free. But I just really wanted to deposit that, you know, just give my heart with that. Like, I just felt like it was time. And I really want to see you guys invest yourselves and be seen. It's time. And I just say this in Jesus' name. Amen.